What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. What's up, you guys? So, Pope Paul as well. Um, per usual, uh, I'm going to wait about a minute or so before we get uh, going here. Appreciate it, man. Everything is going well. Um, I'm still like about like 80%, like 80, 75, 80. Um, but yeah, man, it was uh, interesting there for a little bit, but uh, I'm good to go. Adam, appreciate it, man. I do appreciate that. All right, if my I apologize about that. Um but uh yeah, this is my first locker room in about what like 2 3 weeks. It's been a minute, man. It's been a minute. 2 3 weeks since my my last locker room. But I've been watching a lot of basketball. Um I've been uh look looking up a lot of stuff. So this game, um, this game was pretty interesting to watch. 79-62, um, Michigan State, um, they they were seven and a half underdogs. But like in the last hour, like it dropped to like five and a half, like pretty quickly uh, if you weren't paying attention. Uh, it dropped to about five and a half. And then the over went from about 140 and a half to 142 and a half, I believe, in the last like hour or so. So the Sharps came in and it looks like they got blasted. Um, I did think at one point they were going to make this a game um, a couple times, actually. But you just feel like Ohio State just did not just just they just did not let up. And a big part of that was probably by uh, Liddell ensuing. Like, those two dudes kind of just had their way with them. Uh, before the game, I said that, you know, this this isn't a game where – this isn't a kithier game, you know. This isn't a game where, you know, you're going to lose because, you know, kithier's in the game. You know, you're going to lose – if Hauser and Hall and those guys can't check Liddell, you know, you're going to lose if, you know, Langford and Henry, you know, don't hold, you know, you know, suing. Not only did suing 
at 17. But on top of that, he got to the line whenever he wanted to. He drew a lot of fouls, and he kept a lot of good players in foul trouble. Then you look at Liddell, same thing. Between Liddell and Suing, between Liddell and Suing, um, they, they got to the line almost 20 times. Almost 20 times. And these dudes were going at people. And you know what? I am going to recant something. The fact they got to the line that much means that they were getting in the paint. So it could be a kithier thing. <laughs> it could be. Because the way that teams attack Michigan State when kithier is in the game compared to when Bingham's in the game uh, is – there is a different type of aggression. Like, yeah, I know Bingham, he gets pushed around a lot physically, but, you know, mentally and emotionally, he's checked in. He's 6'10". He has, what, a 7'5 wingspan. He contests. He alters shots. He gets shots off the glass. The way that teams attack Michigan State when – a certain big is in the game is evident. If you go back and watch these games, guys aren't as inclined to attack when Bingham is in the game. But when Kithier's in the game with like Hauser, it's almost like blood in the water. It's almost like blood in the water. How do you guys feel about Hogard, man? Honestly. How do you feel about Hogard? I mean, you are – I mean, like, Izzo comes out and – Izzo comes out and he says – he says, I'm asking Rocket to be a point guard when Hope all of his life. He says that, and then a few games later just takes back everything. It's just weird. Um, let me get Alec in here. Alec, what's up? Yo, how you doing? Hey, I'm doing all right, man. Yo, so what what do you think Michigan State has to do, like, right now to kind of just turn the ship around, like? Honestly? To... Honestly? Um, yeah, honestly. No BS, no nothing. You need to get to a seven-man rotation. Okay. And hurt right, who, feelings. Who, who do you got to hurt feelings. Because Kithier is not the answer. Who do you think that seven-man rotation is? All right, that seven-man rotation is going to be Henry. Hauser, uh, Rocket, Langford, Hall, Bingham, and I. I would probably go with. I'll probably go with Hogard, and then I'll go with Marble as my half. That's my seven and a half man rotation, and you just rock with those dudes. Just rock with those dudes. I'm pretty sure Michigan State is um, leads the conference, I believe, in playing guys over 10 minutes. I believe they play nine over 10 minutes. They are the only team in the conference to do that. That is not a good thing because guys can't get in a rhythm. You know, guys are playing eight minutes here, then, then they'll play like 15, then 12. Like, what are you doing? So, in my opinion – in my opinion, you've got to shorten the bench. Stop playing everybody. 
because these guys can't 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 even gel together. And then on top of that, the coaches still don't know who works together. So force something. And Gabe Brown hasn't played either. I think he's I think that's due to COVID. But even when he was healthy, I mean, I mean his his minutes were still in flux. And I would almost put I would almost put him in there. Honestly, I would put him in over Rocket. Rocket doesn't do anything for me right now. I think the idea of Rocket is more than what who Rocket actually is right now. Um, and I'm not sure if that's a confidence thing. I'm not sure what it is. But Rocket, the idea of Rocket Watts is pretty good, right? But you watch these games, and he can't even attack bigs off of a hard hedge. Whenever he panics, he always goes to his left. And he's not an athlete to where he could really raise up on somebody. So what exactly does he give you offensively? That's where I'm at. That's where I'm at. I think they play too many guys. I think they play way too, way too many guys. You can't. You cannot win Big Ten games playing 10, 11, 12 dudes in the first 30, 35 minutes. Like, like you can't, you can't win like that. You have to find, you have to find your top seven and a half, your top eight, and you got to roll with them. You can't have your top four or five playing over 20 and then five or six guys playing 10 to 15. Like, that's just not. That's just not beneficial for anybody. Oh, I mean, I, I'm with you on that. I mean, it's it's kind of embarrassing. Like, I think Izzo's still trying. He he's been doing what he's kind of been doing in the past, trying to find like the right lineups, just playing too many guys. And yeah. yeah, like yeah, like like you said, like they can't gel together. Like, like I don't, I don't honestly, for me, like I don't know why Julius Marble doesn't get uh, more time. Mm-hmm. I mean, he. I mean, offensively, he he's getting you. He's getting you points. He's there. I mean, he's involved. Like when you throw in Kithier, Kithier is just not doing it. Like I don't know what uh, Izzo saying. Like when he's talking about like, oh, he does all the small things, trying to compare him to Matt Costello. Like I just don't see it. That like, dude will never be Matt Costello ever. Oh yeah. Like from an athletic standpoint. Costello's probably way bigger too. I don't think Kithier's six nine. That dude's got to be barely six eight. Because I oh, see man. him out there, he looks like, like he looks like Isaiah Dalman used to look out there. He looks small. He's he's small. He he does not look like yeah, like like you're saying. He's not six eight. There's no way you can tell me. There's six, no eight. way. No, he's, There's no he's way. super small. I I I just don't see him like. I don't know how Izzo can like fight like you you're gonna throw out Hauser and Kithier and say that's a great like I don't know, like I just don't see how that works defensively ever. I like, love Hauser though. Like I love Hauser, but like you said, the tandem of both of them do not work well together yeah. because neither one of them are rim protectors. You know? Neither mm. one of them are paint gobblers. You know what I mean? You have to pair Malik Hall is a better pair for uh, Hauser just because Malik will do some dirty work. You know what I mean? 
But pairing mm-hmm. Hauser with Kithier is just not what's up right now. You got to pair Kithier. No, you have to pair Hauser with a guy like Marble, who doesn't care about his fouls. Like, he didn't play that much today. He almost fouled out. But he gets to the line six times in limited minutes because he goes so hard because he's like a he's like a bull in a china shop. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Even like um Sissoko, like I know I know Izzo has a problem playing with freshmen. He hates playing freshmen, but even Sissoko, I know like they're saying like in practice he has a problem following, but like why not throw him out there and just, you know, like kinda like I don't know, like teams are more intimidated to go to the basket with Sissoko out there instead of fucking like Kithier. Like that's just like when when teams see Kithier, it's just like a green light kind of. Hundred percent. And Sissoko had two rebounds in limited time. Kithier had one and no blocks. I mean, I'm not sure what – I'm not – I mean, and even his points that he scored, I mean, these are layups. You know, like mm-hmm. these – it's not like they're, like, feeding him and he's going, you know, chinning and faking baseline and then going to the middle up and under with the left. No, like these are just drop-off layups. You know what I mean? Anybody can do that. Anybody oh, can. So I'm not sure if he is like an emergency blanket for Izzo, where Izzo just straight up just he like he distrusts Bingham and Marble and Sissoko so much that he stays with Kithier. I'm not sure. Uh, I'm just not sure um, what the obsession is, but. My issue, my issue on top of that, is you have a guy like Hogarth, right? Mm-hmm. He doesn't start today. Why doesn't he start today? Your last four games, he played 24 minutes, 25, 26, 19. You won two in a row, and then you give up a 17-point lead in the second half to Purdue. That wasn't his fault. Then they go on a two-week hiatus, and they get boat raced. And it's because some dude named Miles Johnson had 14 boards and five blocks and totally dominated your front court. But Hogarth's the problem. Your freshman that you have given the reins to, he's the issue. What does that do for his confidence? In the last four games, he's averaged 23 minutes-ish, right? And then he – then and then – that happens today, really? I feel bad for that kid, but I don't know, man. Let's get let's get let's get Drake in here. What's happening, Ant? What up, Drake? Yeah, so I mean, I I kind of think that something that's being a little overlooked is just like these big programs like Kentucky, Duke, and, and Michigan State are really struggling, and I think I think they've relied so heavily on, on that home court advantage and, and kind of being able to feed off of like if you go into their house, like it's going to be really difficult to come out with a win. And I think that they kind of just lack that juice um, that maybe they've had in past years. So, I, I mean, I think that's maybe not being talked about enough right now. Their juice? Say it again. Yeah, no, they just they, – they like the program just – like they're not playing hard. They're going through the motions. Like I feel like they need like that energy that you get from like a home fan base like Michigan State does. I don't think they need that. I, I, am, I am opposite of that. I think the fact that, that 
Rocket Watts hasn't stepped up into the idea of who Rocket Watts should be is hurting this team. And I think that a guy like Hauser, he needs a pretty good guard to play alongside for his game to open up as well, too. Uh, They just – the idea of this team is a lot better than what they really are, in my opinion. And um, I think they have all the pieces. They have all the pieces except except a except a point guard. You don't even have to be elite like Cassius. Like all you have to do is just somewhat just run the team, just be a game manager, and they have to figure out the five spot. Of course. Well, well, yeah, it's not a talent issue. They're they're just they're lacking. I, I mean, I think you're right. Like they're lacking like a like a Denzel. Um, they're lacking like a, a Kalen Lucas. They're lacking even they're a Tum Tum. Even a Tum Tum. Yeah, yeah. Even a Tum Tum. And Tum Tum didn't really give you much offensively, but the dude was consistent with his energy. He was consistent with everything he did. Everything he did, and. I'm just saying you sometimes need a guy like that for this team just to hold everything together. And he was at the forefront of the defense all the time. Mm-hmm. Which of these point guards have been on the forefront of the defense? It's been Aaron Henry. It hasn't been Rocket. It hasn't been Hogard. It hasn't been Lawyer. These guys aren't, you know, Watts is capable, but like, Hogard, Lawyer, and Watts, they haven't been very good defensively, like tough on the defensive end to really set the tone. Like they smack the floor, but then I see no pressure on the ball. <laughs> yeah. You yeah. know what I mean? Like you, you slapping the floor, that puts the intensity up, but they smack the floor and kind of just like hang back. No, but that's, that's kind of my point. Like, um, there was like when they would like smack the floor previously and they're at home, there was like something more, I guess, I guess more intimidating or like more difficult, like, okay, like this next basket might be a little tougher. Um, and I just, I just feel like as a program right now, they're going through the motions. I mean, I, I don't think there's any, any better way to say it than that. And I think that, I mean, I think you're, you're spot on with a lot of it. They just lack a guy that they can like go to when times get tough and say, okay, go get me a bucket. I mean, that's not foster lawyer. Rocket's not that guy right now. Um, I mean, they, I think they hoped Aaron Henry would kind of take that next step as a junior, but he's not really doing it either. And so you're kind of lost in no man's land. When, when times get tough, you're down eight points, and you really, really need a bucket. They can't get it. I'm with you. And I think with Henry, I, I'm almost to the point where he, in my opinion, he has been very engaged offensively. And I think he thinks that he has to do more than he has to do, um, and he sh- and he shows it because sometimes he takes some wild shots, but it's because he's being aggressive because he knows that's what the team needs. They need a more aggressive player when he's much better when he's picking his spots. You know what I mean? Yeah. So and you 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 probably played with kids like this before, but when when there's a kid that thinks he's a pro and has that pro mentality and kind of is, like, already, like, one foot out the door, and he's not playing well. Like, I think there's maybe nothing more damaging to a team than that. Like, this guy's shooting, like, 26% from three. Like, he's not a pro. Like, you don't do that and make the right. pros. True, true. And that's the one part of his game that I think that he had to improve on this year uh, to become 
a prospect coming up. Um, and he had to create more, but he is creating more in my opinion. And, um, so I do still think that he, he could probably get drafted next year. I'm thinking like second round. Is that crazy? Uh, I, just from I the athleticism just, and size and creating and defensive standpoint. The, the thing is, is, is the, the older you get, the more you have to like prove your game and prove that like you'd come in right away and, and be a contributor. True. And I think that last year there was more of an opportunity to say like, okay, there's some stuff he can work on in his game. It's not developed yet. Like give him a couple of years and he can be good as a junior. Like you got to show that like, okay, I'm ready to come in right away and contribute. Um, and, True. and I just, I, I don't know. I, I don't think he's shown enough this year for me to have confidence that he would be a second round pick right now. You know, like if you're choosing between a guy like him and Isaiah Livers, you look at it and, and the, the deciding factor, ten, honestly, 10 times out of 10 is Livers shoots over 40% from three and, and Henry shooting under 30. Like that's going to make the yep. decision every single. Yep. I agree. All right. All right. Buddy, I, agree. I appreciate it. Hey, I'll see you Drake. Um, Hey, Ant, real quick, what, what do you think the problem is with, like, Rocket Watts? Like, do you think it's Izzo kind of? Or, like, what do you think, like, he needs to do to kind of get over his hump like this throughout this whole year? He just doesn't have moves. Like, he doesn't have a package. Like, when he when he's in pick-and-roll situations, if you hard-hedge him, he's not attacking bigs, he's not splitting, he's not doing a bingo, which is, like, uh, you know, you know, doing a counter to using the screen. He's not doing any of these things. Is one, two. Um, he is just whenever he panics, he always goes to his left. Then when he goes to his left, he is shooting this off balance floater with his right hand. And then if he's in the middle of the floor. He just goes hard to his left, and then he pulls up. Then when he pulls up, he's not athletic enough to really shoot it over guys. So he's very ah. – hold on. <laughs> no, you're fine. So, like, so like right now, he's just very um, – you know exactly what he's going to do. No matter what, he's going left. Like if 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 you go and watch these games over and over, count how many times when he gets pressured he goes to his left. And these guys aren't really forcing him left; they're playing him straight up. But he's going left almost every single time. And then when he does that, how many times is he is he getting to to the rim? How many times is he mm-hmm. getting to the paint? How many times is he selling for a contested pull up? How many times is he shooting an off-balance floater going off his left, fading to his left, shooting it with his right? I just don't think he has the packages right now, honestly. And some of that is some of that is confidence, um, but a lot of that is development. Like, what does he do better this year than he did last year? His assists are up, but that's just because Cassius isn't on the floor. With his like fifty percent usage, you know what I mean. For sure. So, so like he's doing more just because of the absence of somebody else, not necessarily because um, he's taking it upon himself to be more of a playmaker. Yeah. Now, do do you think Izzo kind of like kind of ruined his confidence a little bit, like 
switching him to point guard, you know, at the beginning of the year. Now, like, he's shooting guard. Now that he's kind of playing, I don't know, he's uh, he's kind of in between a point guard and a shooting guard now. But, like, do you think Izzo kind of, like, kind of shattered his confidence a little bit? Here's what's crazy. Here's what's crazy. I don't think it has anything to do with this year. I think Izzo messed up last year by not giving Rocket the backup minutes at um, when Cassius came out. Oh, yeah, for sure. I think this goes back to last year. Like, when Cassius came out, it, it will go lawyer for two or three minutes. Izzo gets pissed off, then throws Rocket in there. But then by the time Rocket comes back in, Cash is ready to come back in to bump Rocket back down to the two off the ball. What's going What's on, up, man? DK? How have you been shitting on us pretty bad today, or just everyone's nah, taking I mean, the medicine? <laughs> nah, I keep it. I try to keep it as real as possible. I try. To oh keep man, it as I mean possible. that's. I appreciate that. It's certainly the way. I mean, the, I think you're spot on with the Watts. I talked about this coming into the season that, you know, I thought they handled the rotation pretty well last year, but the one main sticking point that I had was that Lawyer continued to be trotted out. There was the Nebraska game last year um, where he just looked so uncomfortable bringing the ball up. And it was just like, at, at what point in time are you going to start giving Watts those minutes? You had a very real situation where if you missed on Mane, which they obviously did, um, there there was a possibility where Watts was going to be the guy next year with nobody really to be able to eat up those 40 minutes. So he needed more run last year for sure. And um, I, I was a little confused today. I, I'm not quite sure why Hogard rode the pine the rest of the way. I didn't really get that. I mean, uh, at this point in time, the, the roster has so many flaws on it. You know, where do you really turn to? But, um, yeah, it's, it, I didn't see this coming. We'll just say that. I really didn't. I thought they were going to be able to cobble together enough, and now we see that that's, that's just not going to be the case here. So. Right. So, like, I talked to Alec earlier um, about, about the whole uh, – about, like, what they need to do now. And I told him, I'm like, first of all, you need to get a seven- or eight-man rotation and, and just stick to it. Just stick Which to it. they did in the second half. That was the tightest he's played the rotation the entire year in the second half. And it wasn't exactly all the guys that I wanted it to be. And I'll have to go back on the rewatch and look at it. But I want to say he played primarily seven guys the bulk of the minutes in the second half. And I thought you actually saw some flow, some stability in the rotation on both sides of the ball as a result of it. Right. But he needs to do that for, like, from the very beginning of the game. So in the in the first five minutes of both halves against Rutgers, Michigan State was minus 24. I believe it was 26 to 2, Rutgers run. Um, today, it wasn't as bad. Um, it was still minus 8, but, but, but you play the first five even. Like, you have to think, you know, you're going into these games, the first five minutes, that's scouting on both ends, right? Then at halftime, you know, you're doing the same exact thing, and then you're coming out the next five minutes. That's, again, scouting and your adjustments on both ends. You play that even, and now it's not – now you're not down by nine or ten when you make that run. 
Now it's a one-possession game. Now it's a whole different ball game. And I, I'm not sure what they can do, and I'm not sure if Izzo or if one of the assistants um, are finally going to have someone else start at the five. I mean, it probably starts there. I guess I'll ask you this. I've obviously had some of my own thoughts during the course of this at it, but who is your go-to seven guys right here now then? If you had to tighten the rotation of seven or eight guys, who would you start right now and who is coming off the bench? All right, so who would I start? Um, I would start – I would start Henry. I would start Hauser. I would start Langford. I think those have been your most three cons- more consistent players. Um, I think you do go back to Hogard, and you're probably got to go with Bingham. And then off the bench, you're probably with Watts, Malik, uh, Watts, Malik, probably Gabe, and then you sh- and then you share some time between. Um, then you, then you share between, uh, probably Marble and Bingham based off of who you're playing at the right. five. Spot. It wasn't a big game today, really. You know, that, that was kind of a tough spot for him. Liddell's not really a great cover for him. He wants to play mostly, you know, more on the perimeter than probably. I, I thought Marble played okay today, but I mean, that's kind of the, the spot that's been, I think the biggest cause of the issues. I know a lot of people like to point to the point guard. It's not like that. It's been exactly stable, <clears> but at the end of the day, in this conference, it's pretty hard not to look at the center spot and say if they just had like a two-way guy, a guy that could go get you an easy two and somebody mm-hmm. that could somewhat protect the rim, you probably could have started building it out from that, but they, they just don't, right? But They're that's just- Joey. In my opinion, your best post player is Hauser, and he hasn't really posted much this year. But what's hurting them is that when you go with Hauser on the block, they don't have a shooter at the five. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, you're not going to pop Kithier top of the key and other teams to respect him. Bingham, I thought he would have had a three ball by now, but I'm I'm not sure what's happening there. Um, but that's why I'm I do like about- Hauser and I do like Hauser and Hall a lot for that. I do too, um, but defensively, that, that was the matchup to go to today. I thought Hall would probably have been the best one to take Liddell, and then yeah. you know you can have Hauser still out there because he's guarding Vince Young, who obviously or Zed Key, yeah, and, and Zed. They're not world beaters, you no. know. You're not going to lose the game because of them scoring a ton of buckets on you, right? Um, I don't know, man. I don't. You know, there's just there's so many issues with the. <clears throat> construction that it's hard to know where to turn to I thought that he should have tightened the rotation sooner and then at least even if even if you know maybe there's some flaws with it guys have gotten to a rhythm but at this point in the season there's been so many lineups there was probably three lineups today that I saw that were brand new that had never touched the floor together which you wouldn't think was possible because of how many lineups he's played it's Um, nuts he, he moved. He moved Hauser to the three in spots, or I guess you would say Hall. But he played Hauser, Hall, and I think maybe Sissoko was on the floor. Sissoko, the yep. So it was interesting to go big for a spot there, and then you have some of your better rebounders. Yeah. I think I think the shooting is maybe the next biggest issue. I mean, the center spot's the one, but 
there's just not enough shooting anywhere on the floor. Like nobody's respecting when, when Henry drives, he sees four bodies. He's draped all over the place. There's no space for anybody to get into the paint and score because there's no respect for any of the outside shooting. And I think that that's probably number two issue with it. And then there's no risk. And then when the ball gets on the block, they're not sending traps on Thomas Kithier. <laughs> you know what I mean? They're not trapping because when traps happen, now you're four on three on the outside. Now you're two passes away from a wide open shot. So it works both ways with that, which is wild. And I guess I would say for the center spot, then if you don't have a guy that can go get you one at two, you're playing four, four on five already offensively, basically. You know, occasionally Bingham's with clogging, be- with clogging. That's exactly what I was going to say, right? So not only is there not enough shooting on the floor for your slashers like Henry and Watt, but then you have the five that's just constantly, you know, bringing his man down there too. So, you know, I don't think that there's a real answer this season. I do think if you're having a glimmer of hope, you're looking at what they bring in next season, the shot making, the shot creation ability is just significantly better than what's on the roster right now. I saw you tweeted out that you think Akins has got to play 20 to 25 minutes next year. Couldn't agree more. I mean, at this point, I still want to see Hogard playing 2025 and continuing to develop. I think he's a guy that can get guys open. I like the way that he attacks the paint. He's still got to figure out how to score at this level, you know, inside the paint when he gets himself there, and he hasn't quite done a great job of that yet. Um, but Akins is just so far above what they have on the roster in terms of ability from the lead guard spot that I think he's got to play significant minutes next year. I think this team also looks different next year. Um, Drake just asked, who are the lead contenders to to a transfer out? Yeah. Um, I've gotten asked that one a lot. Yeah. I Honestly, um. When it comes to Rocket Watts, I could see him going to SEC or Big 12, but not a lot of Detroit kids like to go too far from home. I do know that. But yeah. I'm generally be, curious how he feels about You know, I, I think obviously he's lost his confidence. I think that that's a large part of it. I heard you just kind of discussing his game and his lack of development into this season. I, I thought it was really weird the way that they handled the offseason with him. You know, yeah. he's transitioning to a brand new role. There's no public display from the staff of confidence in him. All we hear about all offseason is how, you know, Lawyer has taken such great strides, this and that. And then he doesn't start him for three games. You know, I know he has a couple good games he's strung together. Um, I want to say maybe it was the UDM and then the Duke game or whatever. Yeah. Uh, but generally, you know, he, there was a certain – the staff handled it in a way where he wasn't coming into the season with a ton of confidence and then it was lost. And I don't know. He, he just, the way that he finished last season and the way that he was building towards, I thought he looked poised to take the reins and kind of be that lead dog for this team. And, and we haven't obviously seen it. I think they, they try to play some mind games to get him going. And I, I think it back backfired. I agree with you on that. Like, you know, pushing him and not saying, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know what to make of that. I mean, his regression has been – I mean, it, the end of the game was the perfect sum of it. He goes up for two layups the last stretch, and they just roll out on him. Like, he he cannot find a way to get the ball in the hole right now. It's It's been tough. 
Um, yeah. I think I think we see at least one or two of the bigs go too. To be honest with you, I'm not sure. You know, if one of the guards actually does transfer or not, but I would guess that either Bingham or Marble probably. Yeah, if not both. I um I actually agree with you. I think Rocket. I I honestly do think Rocket's going to transfer just because, like, I think his confidence at this point is almost shattered. But at this point, I think almost Izzo has to force out one of the bigs. Either it's you know Bingham or Kithier or even Foster, like, to transfer just to. I don't know, just kind of revamp the roster a little bit, like, you know, bring in the younger guys and stuff like that. Like, I don't know, like. The right backcourt coming in is really good. Us, but. There's a, the backcourt coming in is really freaking good. Between oh, yeah, Christy, sure. Akins, and Brooks, like, yeah. those dudes could probably play right now and not mess it up. Oh, 100%. I'm curious to see kind of how that shakes out. And when Brown gets back, he needs to start obviously earning more. Like if, if you're looking at the roster right here and now, who are the guys that you need to get going to be able to figure out some stuff for next season? Like where are you looking at that, Ant? Well, first of all, they don't have a legit three outside of Gabe Brown, in my opinion. Uh, I think Henry is also one, but I think he's gone. I think he's here. Yeah. Um, whether or not he is – he's not a first-round lock by any means, but I think he can get to a type of like a – whether like it's like a two-way contract or um, or a, a 10X, something like that, Ex- Exhibit 10. But I think Henry's gone. So I think Brown – Brown has to be there. Let's see, you have – behind him uh, yeah. whenever Brooks, Brooks is going to have to play some small forward next year yeah. I think that's probably more of who he's probably comfortable guarding I think that yeah. he's going to be able to be a little bit more physical with guys but probably not as laterally quick as a couple of the other guys coming in and, and the way that you look at it Maxie's you know Max Christie's 6-6 so you have some size that will be at that shooting guard spot, you know, to put alongside it. So maybe you get away with him being on the floor and you have, you know, you roll out a smaller lineup with maybe Aikens and Hogard together. You have a smaller backcourt, but you have a, you know, you enough shooting on the rotation where maybe it makes sense. Langford might come back too, though. You think so? Do you think that's good? Where's he going to go? Out of the roster. I'm not Where sure. What's he going to do? How, how can he come back? Like, didn't he just have, like, I don't know how how can he come back. This though? is Everyone a free has- year for everybody. Yeah, it's a free year. So for everybody oh, really? can, can uh, come back next year from so every you team. You think he's actually going to come back for like what would be his seventh year, sixth year? It could be six. In my opinion, in my opinion, where Langford is in terms of his health, I don't envision him. I don't think he's going to play after. Uh, if he does go pro overseas, maybe a year or two tops, because um, he's a smart dude. He's a smart dude. Mm. Uh, I think he's into the like preaching, right, and all that too, right? Yeah, yeah, he's a really, yeah. yeah super religious guy. Um, I I see him returning, even if it's just to be, you know, he's going to come and bring it all the time, as long as oh, he's on the sure. court. His consistency there is unrivaled, unmatched. Um, he's not the same guy as before, but 
the shadow of him defensively is still there. His mentality is still there. He still loves the mid-range pull-up. Um, <laughs> but I think he has a shot of coming back next year, even if it's no more than being a mentor playing 12 to 15. And I now, think you, that'll go a long way for them. Do you think it would be better for like for him personally? Like I know like he's like he reminds me of Rep Hamilton so much. But um do you think it'd be better for him to like come back or like to like like you said go overseas to play? It depends on what Izzo wants too, because he's gonna have tough conversations and not just Izzo. This is every coach around the country. I mean, imagine the conversations that Greg Gard has to have with his old ass team. You know, mm-hmm. who's going to come back? Because they have – everybody has recruits coming in. You know what I mean? So, you know, it they're not going to count towards the scholarship limit. But, you know, people are are going to have some really tough conversations. And, I'm you know, sure Izzo's going to talk with Langford. I'm not sure if that makes sense for the roster next year. I mean, it's not necessarily a bad thing. I think the temptation for Izzo to play Langford 25 to 30 minutes like we're seeing this season would still be there next year. And do you really want that when you have Max Christie and you have Aikens coming in and you have Brooks? Like, I think that you got to look forward now, not backwards. And I appreciate everything that obviously he's given to the program, um, the school and everything, but – I'm not sure if that really makes a ton of sense for them. And I, I don't think he's probably ever an NBA player. He's just not laterally quick enough. Right. Um, so I guess it's really just what he wants to do. You know, does he want to play professional ball? And maybe, you know, that Europe path is available. So, yeah. Um, I'm just looking at, like, the depth chart, just, like, writing some stuff out. Do you see Malik Hall here next year? I hope so. <laughs> I don't know what to do with him. He's like the opposite of what Hauser is, right? He's so switchable. He can guard the perimeter players. But like they don't just, play him. He has like, to put in so much work in his offensive game this offseason to be able to carve out a role. Yeah. But they don't play him. And things aren't going to change next year for him in terms of, in terms of like, uh, hold on. Give me a second. Yeah, so things aren't going to change for him at all next year, unless he's playing over Hauser. Which maybe sometimes makes sense. Like, I I don't know what to do. Hauser's been so awful defensively. Like, that's the problem, right? There's just such a lack of two-way players on this team. Like, Henry is basically the only one on the team that you can consistently call a two-way player. Everyone else plays one side of the ball, and that's probably – the largest issue, right? I think Hall played a decent amount of minutes. He didn't play tonight. I mean, I know tonight he didn't. Um, but I want to say the game before he played pretty close to 30. I'd have to go back and check. That was that was against Rutgers. He had 27, but he had 17 last Rutgers game, 23 against Purdue, 19 against Nebraska. I mean, you're, you're going into your third year. And it's not like Hauser's graduating. You know, he has, what, three more years Yeah. after this. Who would you rather have on the roster for the next two years? Hauser. I'm really high on him. I am super high on Hauser. 
Yeah. Super high. I, I know. Like, you- there's a reason why I had him third behind Jackson Davis and uh, Garza coming into this year. Yeah. I mean, he's super versatile at that end, but he needs to be protected on the other. And the problem is he can't guard either of the front court positions. You know, unless you're running up against a team that likes to play more of a traditional style big, you know, like we saw it a little bit with Vince, like Vince Young, like the two big combination and the guy's not really an offensive threat. Like most of the teams we're seeing now in the conference are playing either like a wing at the four spot or a stretch big, like very few teams anymore are going to two traditional style lineup. So going forward, who does he guard? Usually playing a stretch, like, isn't that bad. Like, guarding someone like Eddie Curry from Minnesota, I mean, it's not that bad. Uh, guarding someone like uh, uh, Jack Nunji at Iowa means not that bad. Guarding someone like Isaiah Livers is not that bad because these guys aren't going to really hit you with a whole bunch of this and that. You know what I mean? All you have to do is is close out, guard their first move, pick them up and transition. I think the stretch four, like guarding the stretch four, I believe is one of the easier things that you have to do. And I think Hauser hiding, hiding Hauser on the front court guy that doesn't do much, I mean, that's, that's easy. That's easy to me. Yeah, I you guess know? I would say that the biggest issue that we've seen for most of the year, at least, I mean, Kithier didn't get much run this year, but, you know, the flaws that Hauser has on that end have been magnified a thousand times over when you put him next to a guy that can't protect the rim. <laughs> right, <laughs> right. I, I mean, you know I would I mean? love to see his splits. I want to see his splits. I will look at the Hauser, Kithier, Hauser, Bingham. Hauser Marble. I want to see the splits. Hauser Hauser's split last game. He played 55 possessions, which I think there was, I don't know, I want to say that there was like 120 or something for Michigan State. I'd have to go back and look. But he played 55. He was a negative 26 on the floor. I mean, what are you supposed to do with that? And I think Kithier was maybe like a negative 18 or 19. In half of that, like you just can't play the two of them together. Yeah. that's been the largest issue. And I, the staff didn't play Kithier much today, and I think that they're finally getting around to it. And I don't know. I just there's again, there's just not like a clear option for that. Like it wasn't like Marble really was that much better than what they've been getting out of most of the other options they've had today. Right. Right. But but he. He knocks people on their ass, though. And TK doesn't do that. You know, he at least gives you something. I just feel that, like... It's just wasted minutes at this point. Yeah. Yeah. Over to Greg. Yeah. You're putting them out there to not mess up for seven minutes per half. There's just no upside. And at this point, he's a junior, like... The worst thing, and I I said this in one of the articles that I wrote when I was just kind of looking at, like, the state of the program, right? And I was like, the worst crime wouldn't be to miss the tournament, which the 22 years in a row, it's an amazing run. Like, that's absurd. You know, the worst crime wouldn't be to miss the tournament. It would be to do so 
not playing the guys that you need to get correct for the next year, right? Not right. playing your high upside guys so that you actually see what you have going the next year. Like, if Boache doesn't reclassify, they need to go out and get another center that can give them a bucket on the grad transfer market. And they'll I mean, be eligible right away, transfer or grad. Well, that's true. I, do you think that for sure, had they said for sure that they're going to do a free year of eligibility? I, I thought that they're – I, I think that's that's going to start to be a thing for everybody where, uh, where uh, all undergrad gets – um, one free trans, like you know, like one free transfer year, I believe. I mean, obviously they did it this year. It was kind of unusual circumstance, but I thought that I had saw that they haven't a hundred percent made that determination yet. But regardless, I mean, you look at the way that the teams have kind of set up in the Big Ten, and all yeah. the teams have found a way to get transfers. I mean, Purdue's probably the lone one that redshirted a couple guys and kind of built with it. But Michigan goes out and grabs Brown and Smith, and that's worked out. You know, yeah. OSU, you look at what OSU went out and did, and they got Swain. Swing and Towns. Yeah. Walker. And they were supposed to – that Soto's guy was supposed to be their backup point guard. He got injured. Yep. Everybody. And then you look at Minnesota, right? I mean, Minnesota went out and got three pieces. Liam Robbins, Booth Gosh, Brandon Johnson. Exactly. I mean, it's uh, kind of the way that it's going now, right? I mean – so you That's have true. to probably figure out a way to piece together the rest of the team. And if Michigan State doesn't get Washington to reclassify, which I have heard that it sounds like it's a greater than chance. Like he's going to be academically eligible. Who so now? Point, Enoch, Enoch Boache, the oh, kid 22. Gotcha. Yeah, gotcha. five-star center. So I honestly think that if he was on the roster this year, he probably would be playing 20 to 25. I haven't watched a ton of film this year. Uh, he went and played a tournament in the desert, and I, um, for whatever reason, he wasn't playing. I don't know if he's banged up or not, but um, he will be interesting to me because I think he's a guy that can be a two-way guy. So if he does reclassify, then maybe you're going to be okay. If he doesn't, you know, is there anything that you feel comfortable with going forward next year? Like, is Maddie going to be ready yet? Maybe, maybe not. Nah, I, I just, I you got to find somebody. You got to find someone. Maddie won't be ready, ready until he's probably. Like a junior, he's like Bambi out there, man. His legs just like they—they're just not. You know what I mean? Like it's not like a bad thing, but he's—he's so—he's so raw. He's yeah. so raw right now. Um, athletically, he's there. Um, He's—he's he's quick. You can see the potential, but until he gets his feet up under him right, um, I don't think Izzo can play him because. He's going to lack so much on the offensive end. Yeah, I guess my only point would be what is that different from any other center in the rotation right now, right? True, <laughs> true. So true. I would have seen him get at least like eight minutes a night, you know. you got to start giving him some time or else how is he going to get any better. And they got to figure out what they're going to do with him offensively. They keep trying to post him up. I, I think he's a rim runner guy. He's a guy that you should set a pick to – and then the guy's got to get downhill and you toss up lobs. Like, he's a lob catcher. And maybe they just don't have, you know, I thought Hogar would maybe connect with him and you just get them in pick and rolls going downhill. What do you make of Hogard? I'm generally curious what you what you think about him and his upside. I like him. I like him a lot. He needs to get into shape. He needs to get faster, quicker, a yeah. um, little bit more athletic, um, which is going to be limited right, right now is – especially with him being like 19, but 
athletically, he can get better, but I think him getting in shape and getting faster is going to be his biggest thing between this year and next year. Um, I did kind of want to see Izzo give him the reins and have him go through some growing pains. I didn't agree with what went on today with his minutes. I agree. Um, you know, I wrote it down. He he had, in the last four games, right, stage two and two, you win two in a row, right, and then you give up a 17-point second-half lead to Purdue, which he really didn't have a part of that part. Um, and no. then the you have a two-week – yeah, then, then a two-week hiatus, and you let Miles Johnson go nuts on you, and that's an interior guy. So – and he played 24 minutes, 25, 26, and 19 in those four games. Yeah. He he was not the problem there, and for him to take the lick and not and not Kith Kithier um, was pretty weird to me, and I didn't agree with that at all. You're so quick to pull him, but not a dude who is probably the I'd say he's what the fourth most talented big on the roster. Yeah, probably. And you're still pairing him. With Hauser, who have they both have the same athleticism? They both have a twenty-four inch vert, not long arms, you know, not the greatest lateral movement, and then you play them together to start both halves. So you're not. Getting I mean, that was a great right? Say it again now. I, I thought it was egregious the fact that they came back with the same front court pairing that gave up you know, a 15-0 run to start the game and most of it being inside the paint. Yeah. Like, that was – That was that was nuts. I mean, that was just so – That was nuts. Was, that, was abs- that was absolutely nuts. Coaching malpractice. It really was. That was absolutely nuts. And, you know, I'm not trying to sit here and tell a Hall of Fame coach what to do, but that was just pure stubbornness. That's pure stubbornness. And I'm pretty sure I saw a quote that the assistant coaches were trying to get him to change up the big situation, but he wouldn't budge. I think I saw something like that somewhere. It was the reverse of it. He said that he wanted to switch that up and the, his assistants wouldn't let him. <laughs> I think oh, okay. Pretty, yeah, gotcha. but still, I mean, I, I just – I think this is probably one of the worst coaching jobs he's had in a while. I, I don't think that the cover is particularly full this year, and – some of that's on him for not going out. I mean, you had an extra scholarship with Jack Hoiberg, right, that you spent just being a nice guy. You probably should have gone out and either got yourself a center or a point guard. At Frank least can fully cover a Michigan State tuition. Like, right. <laughs> Fred's not hurting for money. No. And I, I want to say that maybe he has some type of scholarship, anyway, academic or otherwise, so – it was just mostly a gesture on that on their part, which I guess I get, but I don't know, man. It was uh, it's been a kind of a crazy year all around. I agree with you about Hogard in terms of um, development wise. I think that probably he needs to spend most of his time figuring out how to hit that little mid range floater because yeah. I think he's been getting caught. He gets himself into the paint. He's got a pretty tight handle. He's capable of bodying a guy and getting in there. But when he does, he's still just trying to kind of put it up like he would in high school. And now they're – You can't do that. <laughs> you can't do that in the big time, buddy. Yeah. 
And his floater game hasn't been there, and I think he obviously needs to work on the three-point shot a little bit. And maybe some of that just comes, like you said, with him dropping another 10 pounds and getting a little bit better shape. Yeah. Uh, but I, I think his upside's pretty high. And, I mean, him and Sissoko, for me, are the two guys that you probably want to be playing, you know, as much as you can. And then, you know, I guess you figure out what you have with Watson, Hauser, and definitely Brown, and just go forward from there. How many games do you think going forward you can you realistically see them winning the rest of this year? Uh, let me look at their their schedule right quick. Mm-hmm. This Stop. little three game stretch is kind of brutal, brutal. Oh, I mean, like so- you're going on the road three straight times in six days. Like they have to recoup and go to I- Iowa City tomorrow night. Why? And then play why would they get that back on the schedule? What possible? Yeah. Made them just <laughs> Kevin Kevin Pog is a great guy, but what are you doing? What are you doing, my guy? <laughs> like this team is bleeding, and you're gonna do that? Yeah, throw throw them into to Iowa where they can't score more than like 50 points a game, and see how they hang. No, 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 no. Let's send you to New Jersey first. All right, let's send <laughs> you to like the furthest team that we can go, and then we're gonna turn around and play a top 15 team in Columbus. And then we're going to have – we're going to watch film. Actually, they probably won't even watch film on this game. Maybe tonight on the plane, but then they got to go and scout for Luca Garza and Joe Wieskamp to go to Iowa, who just lost a big game at Illinois, so they're pissed off. Uh, how many points did they lose that one by on Tuesday? Um, I think it's not going to uh, – I'll say it's going to be similar to the Ohio State game. Um, mm-hmm. I don't think Michigan State's going to back down, but I just think that they're going to be so overwhelmed inside. Um, you know who I really like for them is that light-skinned freshman. I think the name is like Keegan Murray or oh, something. Yeah. Ooh, that guy's going to be good. I so think, uh, Next year you're going to see Wieskamp, him, and Frederick kind of just like hold down the perimeter, and then they're going to piece the rest of it together around those three. Yeah. Yeah, I like Keegan Murray, and he has a twin brother named Chris who's not playing right now. Um, I like Patrick McCaffrey, not the one right now who has like a six to one assist to turnover ratio, but the six seven six eight dude. He he's got some attitude. That dude talks some shit. That dude is crazy. Next year, even when they lose Bohannon and Garza. I think they'll probably hang around. Bohannon, I think, will hang around. Uh, Garza, the center spot is so bad this year in the draft, he may slip and get into, like, late first. You think so? Maybe second. Because I think he shoots it well enough. He's averaging almost three threes a game this year. Like, two and a half to three. And look at guys like Jokic. These aren't athletes, you know? Yeah, that's true. That's true. He's not really Shooting a playmaker, hates. though. Yeah, he doesn't. Ball he doesn't pass it as well as you think he would. But I mean, maybe he can. And we just have, haven't seen that within the Iowa offense. Um. All right. So, all right, wins. Uh, Nebraska, Penn State. Nebraska at home. next Saturday. You got to hope that they win that one. Yeah, Nebraska. So you have what? One, two, three, four, nine games left. Um, you got, well, that's not including maybe, 
that's not including maybe Michigan again. But right now, <laughs> but right now it's just nine games. So I think you have a chance at beating. Yeah. What's up with you guys in Indiana? Like, y'all haven't been there for, like, two years. We missed them during the COVID break, too. We're supposed to get them at home, so I don't know if they're going to reschedule that or not, but we're supposed to play them. I think we play them on the road and at home this year. Gotcha. So, okay, one, two. I don't know. I don't think they beat Indiana. Not at Indiana. I think think you beat Iowa um, in that return game. Man, I don't think Iowa, you know, is as good as they kind of came into the season being, but I they have I really no signature wins. I saw that. I did I did look at that. Somebody tweeted that out. But yeah, I think their best win is like uh I don't think that Michigan State can score enough points to hang with them. I really don't. I think defensively they can slow the game down, which I said like a month ago that they need to stop playing so fast because they don't have the offensive guys to do so. But they can make these games ugly and win, honestly. Well, if they if they bought all in and just played a defensive. I mean, but that goes back to the point that we made. Are you playing Hauser then if, if that's the game plan to go in and defensively do that? I mean, you, know, you, you, you to probably play, play Hauser, but then you roll with Marble, Sissokio, and Bingham, and that's it. You can't play Kithier at all. I mean, he shouldn't play anymore, anyways. So right, right. But you gotta. But then, then you would play Watts at the one, and you would play Hogard to back him up. I actually didn't mind the move to Watts going back to the one. I mean, I, I don't know anything to get him going at this point. I, I don't know. I don't know what to make of that whole situation. Just generally, I said this before. I think the idea of Rocket is is very different than what is actually there. Because ideally, I mean, you're talking about a dynamic two-guard, two-way guard who can hit you and can create and all that. I haven't seen creating. Yeah. I, I haven't seen it. But he looks – you look at him, it's like, oh, he's, he's about to do something. Nothing ever happens. Ever. I guess, if you, I guess I'll if just – like, watch it four-game stretch when he was playing off, you know, kind of as that isolated score to be able to go get buckets, mm-hmm. you know, off the – Cash and Tillman were obviously the one-two options, and then Henry's kind of in that mix there too. But, I mean, he ended up scoring just under 18, averaging just under 18 over the last, you know, four games. And mm-hmm. he had some big shots in that stretch too. It wasn't like it was just empty scoring all the time. You know, there was a couple threes that he hit in that Maryland road game to stem the tide. That PSU game where they had to come back on the road, he hit a couple big shots to swing momentum. Like, he's a guy that's more of like a momentum scorer. Like, I just thought that he was going to be able to do that this year, and the confidence hasn't been there. Like, I wouldn't have cared if he came out and he took 16, 17 shots a game and averaged, you know, 16, 17 points. Like, he had to take as many as long as – Hitting them when they count, right? Giving it to it when it when it matters and the game is in tight situations and they needed him there. Um, but I, I just think I, it keeps going back to that point where he just does not look confident at all. He's, he doesn't he doesn't look like he's comfortable out there. And when you're not, like it's you know it's hard to do. And, and defensively, he's taken a huge step back. I thought he was 
pretty locked down by about midway through last season. And I think that just it's in his head and, and the offensive side of the ball is affecting all the rest of his game. And yeah. I don't... I'm with you there. I honestly have to go back and watch the games from the end of last year and then compare and contrast to like what is going on this year. You um, should watch the last four and just watch the way that he played and the confidence swagger. It does not even look like the same kid. It really doesn't. It, I, and I obviously overvalued him coming into the season. Um, you know, I think like a lot of Michigan State fans did, but I, I just thought that he had some of that momentum coming from the last season. And he he seemed to be a kid that carried himself with enough confidence to be able to take the reins and go with it. And, you know, we just haven't seen it this year. And whether that's, you know, the psychology of the staff didn't work on him, like you said, or something went wrong along the way, but uh, it's, it's, it's been hard to watch him. I don't, I don't really, I don't know what to say, you know, like it, it, in some instances it's, they're much better with him off the floor. And I never thought that was going to be the case. Yeah. And either way, um, the the success of Michigan State before this season rests on his shoulders big time, and you're seeing, you know, him not becoming that guy that I believe like Izzo and staff needed him to be. Uh, it's really impacting this team from top to bottom, and I think it's impacting Hauser especially. Yeah. Um, it's impacting Henry because Henry is now almost to, to the point where he's almost doing too much um, because he knows that Michigan State needs a guard to be aggressive. Yeah. Um, and then Langford, he tries to do his thing, but he's just not the same guy. Um, but they're just missing that dynamic point guard. Like they're missing that transition they're missing that secondary transition where, hey, I'm going to push it hard, but we didn't get anything, but I'm going to get in this pick and roll right right, right quick, and we'll see what happens, right? We don't yeah. see that this year. We see Foster dribble it twice, pitch it up the court. We see a whole guard dribble, pitch it up the court. Then they'll get it right back, then they run offense. How many times have we seen – whether it's Lawyer or it's Hogart or Watts, they're pushing the ball full speed. Nothing is there. They get into a pick and roll top of the key, and they attack the big hedging, and they turn a five-on-five into a four-on-three. Yeah. I haven't seen it this year. Give that to you like you kind of were alluding to. I mean, he can do it. I think he's special. I think he has the chance to be a really special player. I just – you know, he's got he's got to be given a lot of this offense next year. You know, between him and Christie, I think I think I I hope that Christie can kind of take that step as a ball handling creation guy as well. Yeah. Um, you know, I know there's been some questions just in regards to, you know, what is he at a little higher level? Um, some of the people that I've known who've gone and scouted him said that he's more of a set shooter when he's played in some of the Under Armour tournaments and stuff uh, versus a guy seeing you know his high school league where he's absolutely tearing it up um right. and primarily ball handler but um physically he looks to me you know like he's added some weight they, they talked about it this offseason hopefully that's still the case and he's a guy too where you get the two of them together and you have ball handling and shot creation you know then the whole floor opens up for everybody else then maybe hauser doesn't look quite you know like he's looked this year and maybe a guy like gabe brown because there's so much 
pressure being put on by these two guys is just sitting in the corner knocking down threes like we've seen him at his best. So, yeah. I don't I know. I still think Gabe Brown is, is your best NBA prospect. I am still stuck on that. Dude is 6'7". He can shoot the ball, super athlete, long arms. I mean, like, that is that is that is an NBA player. I don't know what has been going on. He's had the he's had COVID, right? Yeah, he had COVID. Caught that. They were returning. You know, I want to say they're returning next week. Monday. They started practicing this past Monday, and he had contracted it. I want to say maybe like Wednesday, the week before. So I think he's still going to be out maybe another week. That sucks. Man. That sucks. It does. Especially in the junior year when he needs to be developing, but yep, big time. Uh, well, let me see. Gabe is. I'm looking at his stuff right quick. <sighs> yeah, he had a stretch there where I was just like, "This dude, this dude is serious business." He had like he maybe 17 at one point. Yeah, I he had. Uh, he had, I think, 20 versus it. Oakland, 16 yeah. versus Detroit. But like the, but they're not against. Big teams, though. That's the only thing. Yeah. I think that what you see when you get into conference play is the scouting's much better, obviously. And yeah. basically said, don't give him the airspace to shoot open shots. And that's kind of hey, – that's the next step, I think, for him. He, he's not particularly great coming off screens. You know, like a Matt McQuaid. Like, Matt McQuaid wasn't a great athlete, but he was great at setting his feet coming off a screen. And all right. he needed was a sliver of space to be able to create his shot. Gabe has a little bit of a slower windup, and when he comes off that screen, he's been blocked so many times doing that. Like, he's probably most comfortable just sitting in the corner. I want to say at one point in the season, like, just kind of entering into conference play, he was shooting something like 65% in corner threes. He was like, it was ridiculous. But that yeah. was because there was creation going on, and he was just able to sit comfortably in there. If a guy closed out too hard, he was attacking kind of in that straight line drive, and that's really what he has been for most of his career. So he's got to find a way to maybe take the step next year, and whether it's you know not even putting the ball in the deck, because I don't think that's really ever going to be his game, uh, but figuring out a way to be able to get shots off of you know, screens and set actions on the rest of it. And I, I think the staff has done him a disservice not getting him more of those opportunities to be able to see if he's capable of doing it. Yeah. I'm looking at I'm looking at these uh games here. Anybody with the pulse, he didn't do well. No. Like like Duke, nothing really. Um Wisconsin, nothing really. Minnesota, nothing really. The Rutgers, Purdue, he played a few, but like his big, his big, his biggest games was against Eastern. He had nine against Notre Dame, 16 against Detroit, 20 against Oakland, 10 versus Northwestern, 10 versus Nebraska. Yeah. So anybody with the pulse, um, kind of disappeared. It reminds me of Foster Lawyer last year. Like, his three-point percentage wasn't that bad, but then against, like, the top 12 teams, I think he was, like, two for 17 or something. Yeah, I think his on-the-road splits were awful, too. He shot much better at home last year. Yeah, so that's so strange. I didn't notice that. 
So I may have to uh, start trotting back my, uh, pro, my pro stuff because yeah. that's because he has the tools. Um, because every time I watch him, I'm like, like that. I'm like that is a pro, man. That is a pro. But but you have to show up when the lights are on. Bots. Yep. You know what I mean. I- really hoping he shows up the rest of the year i just want to build towards something positive for his senior year for himself you know there's a, there's been a lot of guys that you just look on the roster and you're like god I, we should get more out of you and i don't know what to make of it is it you know the shortened off season the condensed non-conference like i think that that still has some to play is there no fans you know that one of the better you know, fans in the stands in basically all of college basketball, at least a top 10 venue, if not, you know, maybe top five ish. So I think that some of it can be blamed on some of these situations. And the other part of it is, you know, the staff just doesn't, hasn't done a nice enough job of getting guys in the right spots, getting the right rotations in. I I'm just going think with staff. I'm going with staff. I, I, I am 100%. seeing my tweets. I've been way hard on the staff yeah. the year. I mean, yeah. I've been riding him nonstop, and I think a large part. This is, I think, this is one of the worst jobs he's he's done in a while. Um, you know, the, people point to 2018, the Syracuse debacle, whatever. I mean, the, the largest issue with that particular team, I thought, was that he probably needed to have Ward come off the bench because the bench was so terrible. So mm-hmm. his mistake that game was trying to get as much of his talent on the floor at one time, even though he was playing two guys kind of out of position when he was doing so. Um, and then this year it's just been the opposite where he's playing the wrong guys. And you're like, I would rather have you play the guys with the most upside, the most talent, even if they don't quite fit. So at least you're trying to make it work. You know, this right. season, this season it's been the opposite. You're not even playing the guys that give you the most upside to win long-term and, I don't know. I th- I think that, you know, with the shortened non-conference, you had to really figure out the center spot during that five, six-game stretch, right? Like you had you to. Needed, you needed to figure out who the guy was going to play 20 minutes, and you're trotting Kither out for 20 when you know when the clock turns to conference play, he's not going to be capable of guarding a Big Ten center. Right. So you just wasted the five games that you had instead of the 10 games, you know, in the shortened non-conference um on that and i think as a result just basically the two main spots in the rotation college basketball i think you know maybe even pros but the the most important spot in college basketball is obviously point guard and i think the second most i think you can make an argument particularly in the big 10 conference is the center spot i agree don't have those two spots if you don't have up the middle figured out both defensively and offensively then what do you have and those are the two largest question marks for this team the whole year and they I mean, still haven't figured it out, which is why we're seeing what we're seeing. Exactly. And then Ben just made a point. He said, um, every team has had to, to deal with shortened offseason. They had returning guys with experience. Ben, I was thinking the same thing before you you even said that. I think why I'm blaming the staff so much is because of that, is because you're returning guys who were just in a Final Four a couple years ago. You know, Henry was there. Langford was there. You have all the experience, and then those experienced guys, you have to bring everybody under you with you too. Like, these are guys who have been to a Final Four. These are guys who are in, who have won multiple Big Ten championships. So, yes, it's on the staff, but I think it's on the players as well. Like, you knew Cash and Xavier were gone. 
Like they yeah. knew they were gone for a minute now. You know what I mean? So, and then on top of that, you have limited time from the staff over the summer due to COVID and all that stuff. What are your players doing to make sure you're all on the same page? You know what I mean? Say, so, I don't want to make excuses for them because that's, you know, I, I agree with you, but if you're looking at the rotation, Watts is coming back, but they're asking him to do a completely different role, right? So the only guy that really you can confidently say you, you know what you should get out night in, night out is Henry. Mm-hmm. Brown barely played down the stretch last year. I mean, the last 10 games, his minutes completely waned. I want to say the last two or three games, he was playing either three or four minutes. So it's not exactly like you knew what you were getting out of him coming into the season. Langford, yes. I mean, he was there, but that was two years ago, right? So what part of the equation, the centers, I mean, you look at the center spot, Tillman was playing 35 minutes a night. So again, you didn't quite know where that was going. So yes, everyone had to deal with it. And I think that probably me, most of all, among you know a lot of other people who were just looking ahead, figured that Izzo was going to just figure it out. Figure it out. Right? Year, right? He's done it every year, so why wouldn't he do it this year? I and know then, it's a bad like, situation, but this guy figures it out. He does something, and it works. And that's usually the case, right? But then now you look in hindsight, and you're like, well, shit, there really wasn't a clear option at center. There wasn't really a clear option at point guard. And now we're in the spot that we're in. And I, I, somebody tweeted out today, I'm not sure who did it. It's, it's been said quite a few times, but, you know, they have a lot of complementary pieces, but they just don't really have like that option 1A or 1B to be able to put it all together. Like yeah. Hauser and Henry and some of these other guys are perfect complementary pieces. They're the guys that you want getting open looks because there's two other primary options on the team that are taking most of the shots and bringing all the pressure. Like, I think if Hauser was asked to be the third option on a team, he would be doing just fine. The same thing with Henry, particularly offensively. But what you're seeing is these guys are being asked to play a little bit outside their comfort zone because there's not enough on, there's not enough shooting or scoring on the rotation to be able to do it. And so you're seeing guys press basically across the board and it's, you know, it's resulted in this basically uh, the abysmal. And that comes back to Rocket Watts, in my opinion. Like, right. If he's if he's scoring 16, 18 points a game, then, again, the rotation probably kind of figures itself out, doesn't it? Not even. I mean, like, even if he's just, like, 14, 15. Like, yeah. like, and then every now and then you drop your 20, 22. Yeah. You know, when you're playing that team that just – and then, you know, you rattle off 10 or 12 straight on your own. Um, I think all this comes back to Rocket, which sucks. Which sucks for him because I don't think he was put in um, a position to excel. And this goes back to last year where they didn't give Cash's backup minutes to Rocket, knowing that Rocket was going to be the guy to to take over the following year. I don't get it. I don't either. But it's all good, though, man. Uh, DK, thank you for joining. I appreciate you. DK has... Um, a website, SpartanHoops.com. You can go and check that out. I believe his Twitter is SpartanHoops underscore DK. Um, thanks for coming on. Thank you guys for coming in. I know that this isn't a, a Michigan locker room, but I appreciate you guys. I haven't had one in like two and a half weeks. 
Um, I'll probably be, be back on here February 2nd after the Iowa game. Uh, uh, and we'll just see how that game goes. It's going to be at Iowa for Michigan State's third straight uh, road Big Ten game, which is insane in six days. Um, but uh, that's going to be at an Iowa at an Iowa team who just lost a heartbreaker to Illinois um, a day or two ago. So thank you guys for coming on, DK. Appreciate you. And yeah, thanks I'll for see you guys soon. We'll do this again sometime soon. I don't know if I can come and just feel as depressed as I will after the Iowa game too, but maybe I'll hop in. Hey, it's all good. All right, man. Take care. See you guys.